Hi. Hi. I'm back. I'm still Ethan. If you did not know, I did not change my name during the break. Um, So, as you hopefully know, uh, tonight we are taking a break from going through our series in 1 Peter, and we are talking about relationships, a pretty big topic. And specifically, we're going to be talking about all the different things that come with it, singleness, dating, marriage, and sex. So, the format of the talk tonight is also going to be a little bit different. You might have noticed that there's chairs up here. Um, I'm going to just kind of share quickly about why we're talking about this, and then we're going to have four staff members come up, and they're going to form our panel, and they're going to answer the questions that you guys asked last week. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be great. I'm excited for that, so I'm going to go fast so we can get directly to that. Um, so, yeah, so this is a really big topic, right? Relationships, they're huge, and our world kind of likes to revolve around relationships. I mean, When's the last time you watched a movie or read a book that did not have, like, love or relationships or something as a main part of it? When you were three. That's a long time ago. Nope, that was 100% accurate. When's the last time you, like, listened to music either on the radio or your own playlist and, like, love or relationships or something in that order was not a part of it? Worship is uh, love to God, right? So, anyway... (laughs) My point being that our culture cares about relationships, and actually God does too. God cares about relationships, and all you have to do is look at who God is to see that, right? God is the Trinity, three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living in a self-loving relationship, right? And then even if you go further than that, you could say that our entire existence is because God cares about relationships. I mean, when God created the world in Genesis 1 and 2, well, more than the world, created everything, um, he also created us to be in relationship with him. God created humans and lived with them. We can see that in the creation story. And not only that, he wanted his creation, his humans, to live in relationship with each other. So in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And God created a woman, which caused the first ever human-to-human relationship. It's kind of fun. So humans have been created, and they're in relationship, and it's all great, right? So what do the humans do? They mess it up. So in Genesis 3, if you know that story, uh, we see that the humans disobey God, and they mess everything up. And destruction follows. And this destruction is super visible in the way that relationships have been done ever since. I mean, right off the bat, the very first relationship we ever knew about, God and human, well, when God shows up after Adam and Eve sinned, what do they do? They hide because they're ashamed. Do you see the cracks? And then, what does Adam do? Blames Eve, even though he's just as at fault. Do you see the cracks in that relationship? Some issues going on. There are plenty of examples of messed up relationships in the Bible, and you don't really have to go very far. I'd encourage you just to read Genesis with the sole purpose of being like, yo, these relationships kind of suck. Because they do. God uses them and makes great things happen, but the relationships are really broken. And a lot of these problems that we see in Genesis kind of still happen because... 
the issue in Genesis relationships and the issue today is that people are kind of focused on what I want, what I need, not what God wants, what this other person wants, what they need. We're too focused on ourselves. And what's the result? Relationships, friendships, and marriages are just as messed up as they were thousands of years ago. We haven't really grown that much. So this is a very important aspect of our lives, and we want to try and take some of these unhealthy cultures and healthy things we've learned in our culture, sometimes even maybe even in our church culture, and we want to point them back to the biblical thing. What, the, what does the Bible say about relationships? What does God want our relationships to look like? So I'm going to invite our panel on up, and while they come up, um, I just want to say that we are not relationship experts. You guys can come up. You guys going to come? <laughs> it's just going to be me the whole night? No? Okay. No, we're not relationship experts. But in my opinion, there's no such thing as a relationship expert because every single relationship is different. But what we are is a group of people who have experience. Uh, we're going to kind of share a little bit more about ourselves, but all five of us are married, which means two things in my mind. One, we've made it through all these stages we're talking about, singleness, dating, and marriage. Well, I haven't through marriage. We're in marriage. Yeah. But also it means we've made mistakes along the way, which is really how you learn. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to say is that there were a lot of amazing questions asked, and unfortunately we're just not going to have time to get to every single one of them. So I want to encourage you, if your question was not asked or you have questions as follow-ups or more questions come to your mind, feel free to ask people. You can ask any five of us, even Brandon, who's not on the panel, but is still very wise. <laughs> ask us about these questions that you have. Talk to your facilitator if you just want to know more, because we would love to help you come to a conclusion about all these different things we're talking about tonight. So um, starting with Tony, we're going to introduce ourselves. Hello. Hello. Good to see you all. My name is Tony. I'm married to Melissa. And uh, yeah, I'm on staff here. That was so short and slightly boring, but it is true. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't go long. My name is Melissa. I am actually married to Tony. Um, we've been married 10 years this August, so Paula Hay is also on staff. Oh, whoa. I know, I have my own one. It's exciting. Um, hi, I'm Meredith, and I'm married to Brandon. He's back there. Um, yeah, we haven't quite made it to ten, 10 years yet, but we're going on three and a half, I think, which is cool. And so um, it's great. Yeah. And I'm Tim, and I'm married to Shana in the back. Nice. Uh, we're also not at 10 years. Uh, I think we're at five months and 19 days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm Ethan, as I said before. I also am married. I've been married for two plus years. I don't know the months or the days. Tim's great. Okay, so our first section that we're going to talk about today is all about singleness, which is the stage that comes before dating, if you didn't know. You're usually single for the first part of your life. Um, so the first question we have, and I would encourage you to take notes, helpful to remember, um, is... We talk a lot about being content in singleness, but what does that really mean, and what does it look like? Yo. Um, when I think about being content in singleness, I think of 
somebody who like already knows and believes in their worth and they're, they're like secure in their relationship with Jesus right now, um, not like looking for a relationship to complete them um, or like you're dissatisfied until you like get that thing. Like, thank you. Um, I can even guarantee you, like, as soon as you then do get the relationship, then you just go to the next thing. You're like, okay, well, then we got to get engaged. Then you get engaged. And you're like, okay, we got to get married. Then you get married. Then you're like, okay, we need to buy a house. And then you buy a house. Then you're like, now we need to have kids or a dog first that kind of buys a couple years. And then a kid. Like, that's what the stages of everybody in social media goes through. And, like, if your heart has, like, dissatisfaction in it when you're single, it's not, it never gets solved. Like, I don't know what we need to do next after having kids. I haven't thought about that. I'm too busy. But, like, y- you don't get you don't like arrive and then get satisfied. You're like, your heart needs to learn the secret of being content or it never will pretty much. You'll just get tired with, you know, your kids. Um, so like being content in singleness, it's kind of, doesn't mean you like don't desire a relationship or be like, wow, it'd be cool to be married someday. But it's more like focusing on right now, all the fullness that God's given you in your life and the mission that you can complete because you really can do so much, possibly even more as a single person than like when your interests are divided, like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7. Not like it's a bad thing, but it's just like you have such an opportunity when you're single. So like taking advantage of that and not like aching and longing like crazy for something to complete you, but instead just like being satisfied in what God has given you right now in this season and like making the most of it. And I'm so grateful for the foundation of my relationship with Jesus that I like built and sweetens and like made so strong when I was single that I'm, like, still living off of now. So, like, take full advantage of this season. That is all. Yeah, um, I have a pretty similar answer. First of all, I wanted to say that, like, I think this is a really real question. Um, I didn't meet Brandon until I was, like, 24, and we didn't get married until we were 26. So that was going through all of high school and college um, without really dating. Like, I went on a few dates, but never had, like, a serious relationship. And being content is hard. Like... (laughs) It's just it's a really real thing that's really challenging. Um, and so really similar to what Melissa said, I think that uh, the, the key to learning that contentedness really comes from seeking the Lord. Um, and I know sometimes that can sound like a, like a trite, like overused thing to say, but it's really just the truth. Um, in Philippians 4, verses like 11 to 13-ish, uh, Paul is talking about how he's learned to be content in every season of life. Um, and he talks, spi- like, about some really hard stuff. Like, he doesn't talk about easy seasons. He talks about times when he's, like, in jail and, like, hungry and, <laughs> and needing things. Um, and so, and in that, in, like, verse 13, he says that the secret to being content is our relationship with Jesus. And I think that's true for everything, right? It's true for any situation in life, like Melissa was saying, like, where we're struggling with being content like, the secret to that is going to be to run after the Lord. And in that, um, it's important to know, like, that's not just, like, an intellectual understanding of God. It's not just saying, like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and so therefore, like, I'm seeking him. That's, like, having a real relationship with him. That's having a relationship where you can, like, go to him and say, God, like, it sucks that I'm single right now. Like, this is really hard. I'm really struggling with him. And you can, like, actually talk to him like a friend. Um, it's finding joy in him. It's it's learning to, like, obey him and walk with him. And out of that, like, that is where contentedness is going to come. Whether you're single, whether you're dating, <laughs> whether you're, like, years down the road and, I don't know, you have grandkids or whatever it is. Like, that's that's where we're going to c- find our contentment. 
And then um, this is like a little bonus answer maybe. Uh, beyond just seeking the Lord, I think it's really helpful to have a great group of friends. And so I'd say like truly like surround yourself with friends and that's going to go a long way to help you be content. Yeah. Sorry, I got lost in the answer. Okay, um, next question is, how do you deal with the envy or jealousy that can arise from seeing couples while single? Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off of um, <laughs> the, the one that we just talked about, actually. Um, I'd say that, that my answer for that uh, is pretty similar. Again, that's a really real question. I think most of us in this room can say, like, yeah, I have dealt with jealousy and envy at some point in my life. And I think the answer is pretty similar. It's, it's seek the Lord in that. Um, I think there's, like, a slight twist to that in, like, how you seek the Lord. Because, honestly, jealousy and envy are not things of God, right? Like, those are not things that are biblical. Those are things that are that are sinful. Um, in First Peter 2, 1-2, to it says, put aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and crave pure spiritual milk. In other words, like, crave the things of God. And so when we talk about jealousy and envy, those are, like, not things that we want to cultivate in our life. And so as we seek the Lord in that, like, well, those are really um, normal emotions, and, like, I've totally dealt with that myself. I think we can start, honestly, by repenting before him and being like, you know, Lord, I recognize I, I don't want to be a jealous person. I don't want to be an envious person. I'm sorry. I know that's not what you want for me. Please help me to change. Um, and if we do that, he will, right? Like, that's what's so great about God is he's, he's with us, and he, he wants to help us change. Um, so start by, start by repenting um, and know that the Lord will help you in that. And then I think also on a practical side, um, continue to do what we talked about in the first question, like, seek the Lord, um, seek him for your contentedness. Um, and then also, if there's situations where, like, that temptation to be jealous or envious is really challenging for you, you can remove yourself from those situations often. Um, so say you have a, a couple friends, and you regularly hang out with them on, like, their date night. That might not help you the most with, like, your jealousy and your envy. Um, I'm not saying to, like, cut people out of your life, but hang out in a group instead. You know, hang out in a group where there's other single people there um, and do things in a group like that. So to some extent, you can remove yourself from that situation. And then what can we do to prepare ourselves for dating? And maybe how do you know when you're ready? Um, yeah, with this question, it's helpful to learn to serve others and take opportunities to do so. So like your friends or other men and women in your court um, also another thing is follow Jesus' teachings. That's actually a very helpful. Uh, <laughs> build up friendships, and especially of the same sex. So when you learn to practice edifying others for their own good, it shows you're able to do that in a dating relationship. Um, the second part, how do you know when you're ready to date? Uh, beyond asking <laughs> your friends and parents if you're ready, uh, ask someone who's not afraid to say no to you. Uh, who wants the best for you, and that that way they could tell you honest answers. Um, this could also be your facilitator. So. Yeah, uh, I think this is really a question of sort of spiritual maturity. Um, like, how, like, what can I do to prepare myself for dating? Like, how are you doing it by, by following Jesus? 
how are you and Jesus doing together? Um, as Jesus says, uh, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me in Mark 8. How are you doing at denying yourself? Do you have self-control? Um, yeah, so I think this is really a self-reflection kind of question, which is, how am I doing at being a disciple of Jesus? Um, and then, yeah, like Tony said, you can ask a mentor. Um, yeah, if, if they honestly think that you are ready to date, um, but I would say come into this question with an open mind, because if your mind is made up that you are ready to date, you're, you're probably not ready to date. <laughs> um, so be ready to hear the truth, even if it hurts. Um, and then let's say that you are ready. Uh, I think the next step is to create a written list of non-negotiables. Uh, if you don't know what a non-negotiable list is, um, that is, it's, um, it's characteristics that you will not compromise on um, in another person um, when finding someone in a relationship. So this, this will and it should take some time to really think through. And of course, it can be amended as you continue um, in life. Um, but an example of that would be, um, I mean, for myself, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date someone who's a Christian. I'm going to date someone who is open to overseas missions. I'm going to date someone who is willing to try new things, you know, those kind of things. Um, well, you're not, you're not like willing to compromise on those characteristics in another person. This will not only save you time, um, but it will save a lot of heartache and pain in the future. Okay, so we've done that. We're content. We're ready. Our, our mentor says we're ready to date. So how do we go about looking for a partner as a single Christian? Yeah, so like I said, uh, the non-negotiable list is just an incredible tool to use. Um, but further than that, um, there's this analogy that, um, that helped me when I, was, uh, when I was single and asking this question. Um, it's, it's, it's the fishing analogy. So if you're, so if you pic picture this, okay, so you have a body of water right here that's like, it's like this kind of shape. It's just like a small circle. And then you have this body of water, water over here, which is a, a giant circle. Which one is going to be better to fish in? Anyone? The big one, yeah. <laughs> so it, this is a matter, it's a question of what is, m what is more likely to um, have fish that are eligible, so to speak. Right? Does that make sense? Like, so think about the environments in your life where you would find someone who is eligible to fit your non-negotiables. Are you going to find someone who matches all of your non-negotiables going to, like, I don't, I don't know, um, let's, let's say like in your classes, there's a potential for that, but it's more likely that you're gonna find someone to match your non-negotiables if you go to something like Chi Alpha, if you go to church. Does that make sense? Winter camp, yeah. Winter camp could happen, yeah. SBO, you guys? <laughs> Just make sure that's not the reason you're going. Yes, yes, that's, thank you, Ethan. 